Hello, this is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Rochelle and Carter here with you. And we've got a very special guest today. Yes, we do. In fact, you're the one who had the conversation with Elisa. Elisa Childers. Uh, you might know her from Christian Music, actually. I know her from Zoe Girl. She was in Zoe Girl back in the day. Gerard was her last name. Her dad, Chuck Gerard, very famous guy in Christian Music for a real long time. Well, here lately, she has done such an incredible job on YouTube and her podcast, just the Elisa Childers podcast. And it, going over... Okay, how do we intellectually know our faith? Right. Uh, there's a lot of apologetics. There's a lot of just culture. Uh, we get into a lot of great stuff about something called progressive Christianity. Uh, so we're going to have that here in just a minute. Uh, but you you have had an, an incredible array of topics in your life as well, at church, <laughs> yeah. as well as around the dinner table. Around the dinner table. And if I could just say before Alisa shares with us, and, and I'm so grateful that you got to have this conversation with her, uh, it's so important that we know what we believe. Mm, I mm. mean, it's important, right? When we think about any other thing in our life, uh, I recently am looking at different products for your skin and does it have parabens? Oh, parabens are the bad things or oh, something. Oh, okay. So making sure that there's none of that in there. I mean, we we check ingredients. We check what what the nutrition facts are. We check all of this other stuff with our children, making sure that do you have what you need for school and do you understand what you're reading? These are the, the things that are important. Are we prioritizing my, our faith, my faith? Mm. Do I know enough? And I was really blessed at how completely... Um, transparent she was when she shared, you know, I grew up in a Christian home for a real long time. It's just like, well, you know, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And then when it came to an experience at her church, I think she'll, she'll get into detail, but yeah. it kind of reminded me of some of the experiences that I had. I grew up in a Christian home. I knew a lot about my faith, but when it came to people outside of it, asking me questions and like big, deep, yeah, significant. I explain this, right. This doesn't make sense to me. How do you get around this? You know, it's important that we are able to not only share with others, but it deepens our own belief. Sure, sure. That's so, right. Yeah, it's going to be a great conversation. That'll be here in just a few minutes. You know, my <laughs> my family loves to have dinner conversation and we've been bringing up some pretty good questions lately. One of them kind of involves a headline uh, in the Houston area that, is near and dear to Carter's heart. You are a big baseball guy. Oh, yeah. And we know a guy named Mattress Mac in our area. He's furniture store guy, solid dude, helps people in need. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was this uh, kerfuffle, as Carter likes to say. I it. love the word kerfuffle. It makes something ugly kind of cute. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I didn't see the video, but apparently our beloved Mattress Mac who you, we have both had the pleasure of speaking with. He's a lovely man and has done a lot of good in Houston for people. And he was being followed outside of Philly Stadium or something like that. And he was being heckled. Yeah, I think people, because Philadelphia had won. So they're yeah. kind of uh, heckling him, following him out of the stadium. And he he just loses it for a second yeah. and says some choice words. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I get it. You know, I've been there too. Cause it's like one of those things that when the headlines pop up and it's somebody that we love and then it's like, your kids might be asking questions. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, I got to first recognize I have been there too. I yes. have said things I regret because of, of impatience of, um, of, uh, well, a lot of reasons, honestly, but just frustration, I guess is when you just, you get to that point. The term I think the Bible gives it is the flesh. Yeah, sure. So it sure. just kind of covers a, a world of hurt, a world of sin right there. We're just saying the flesh, the things that please me 
And when it's it's basically when I prioritize anything above God in my own life, it, because it brings me momentary pleasure or I don't know, feel a little justified. He's going to get his because he went off on me or whatever happened. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the question, by the way, Mattress Mac, um, his real name is Jim, Jim McInvale. I don't know that he ever responded per se on social media in regards to that particular set of circumstances, but he did come back with a verse from Romans that said to um, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah, yeah. And he's tried to reach out in you know different ways by even helping Philadelphia fans uh, with his box seats in his suite mm-hmm. uh, for uh, the Eagles game here in, in Houston, Texas, where we live. But uh, it made me bring up that question with my kids and, and ask when you are attacked for your position, for your stance, for your beliefs, whether it's on social media or in person, is it okay to attack back? I see a lot of it with the midterms. I mean, that's that's for sure. A lot of a lot of that going on on social media with yeah. attacking back and snide remarks. Absolutely. And so the answer, most people, the knee jerk response in Sunday school would be, nope, not good. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And my children said, you know, that's the right answer. We're not supposed to attack people back when we're attacked. That's what Jesus, he would want us not to do that. But, and they were honest about their answer. They said they feel like they want to do that, right? And again, we've talked about feelings a lot on this podcast. And if I'm 100% honest, yes, I am the reaction queen. Mm-hmm. If somebody lashes out at me, my knee-jerk response is to, to right back, right? Mm-hmm. And so we talked about it at length. Is there ever a time where it is okay to attack. I guess it depends on your definition of the word attack. Yeah, like self-defense is absolutely appropriate, right? Right. I mean, if somebody's invading your home or, or whatever else, then you're going to save your family. But that's not, you know, nobody would label that as an attack. That's you're on the defensive. Yeah. Uh, and so, but it starts to blur, especially when it comes to words. Mm-hmm. It, well, I was just putting them in their place. Well, I was just responding. Well, I was giving it right back to them. They, they, they can dish it, but they can't take it, you know? And so it's yeah. like, which one and where's the heart in it? Let me ask you this. Now, and I don't even know if there's a right answer. I think every situation is going to be different. But let's just say somebody does go into your home. Is it self-defense to merely um, immobilize that person? Mm-hmm. But you also hear that people have taken lives in self-defense. Yeah. I, I know. I think I, I thought a lot about this. So I think I have a, a good answer. Um, it, it, whatever means necessary... Because if, if, if it's, uh, and obviously this can go and uh, if the kids are around, just FYI, but whatever means necessary, uh, to yes, immobilize. And mm-hmm. that might be if they come through the door and I am armed, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. I think this is a lot of my opinion, just FYI, but, but I think there's, there's a line where let's say I have a, uh, something, a lamp or, you know, or something that's a all, lamp. that's all I have. Right. Is it a genie lamp? And, uh, it's a leg lamp actually. Yeah. <laughs> And let's say I have it and I, I, when they come through, I get them and it does immobilize them. Yeah. And I've thought often of like the anger, if, especially if you, if uh, they were breaking in and it was just your wife and for me, for me, mm-hmm. my wife and kid there, mm-hmm. the anger that you would do that and put my family at risk. Yeah. And I'd want to keep hitting them over and over. Yeah. And I think as soon as they're immobilized, and I know this is a very specific situation, but I, as soon as they're immobilized and I keep going. Yeah. I've crossed a line. Yeah, it's inappropriate now. Now, now, if 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 there's 
major injury mm-hmm. because I kept hitting him when they were hitting back. You know, it's, listen, you yeah. have to just be there in any situation. It's no longer a kerfuffle. Uh, but it's, and it's no, <laughs> that ain't a kerfuffle, baby. Um, but as soon as I, I think you have the the upper hand and you just keep in, mm-hmm. and whether that's 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 physical or or with words, as soon as you just keep, it's like, I'm crossing a line right yeah, now. Yeah, I think you know when you cross that line. And you, yeah, people will justify it with you. Well, you couldn't help yourself. Wait, what does God say in that moment? And so I think you have to kind of now translate that over into other matters. What well, can I, can I just say? Yeah. It would be ridiculous. It's like, cause I see a lot of people online, they get whatever is coming to them because they shouldn't have broken into your house. And what they deserve is justice. Mm. What we all deserve is justice. But some of these comments I see lead me to believe that people, I, cause I don't, I think when you, when you ask people about it, they would never go this far. Mm. But some people seem to have the attitude that if I, if somebody broke into my home mm-hmm. and then I tied them up and kept them in my basement for 15 years and tortured them, yeah. <laughs> well, I got what he was deserving. He shouldn't have broken into your home. <laughs> no, I have crossed a major line. Like that's not justice. Yeah. That is, I don't know what that is, psychotic. Yeah. It's, a, it's an extreme. So yeah. you can't say they deserve whatever's coming to them justice is what we all deserve depending on what our crime is. And God is the one that handles true justice. And I've heard it said before, what we deserve is death. Yeah, that's justice, right? That's justice because of our sin. And Jesus extends grace, Mm -hmm. which is what we don't deserve. Yeah. And so that's his example. And I'm supposed to be following his example. And so we brought up different times where Jesus is confronted because a lot of the times, you know, we, we've talked about this before with uh, when he overturned the temple tables and, and he was upset and he was righteously angry and people will use that as an excuse. And and that word right there should be the tip off in my heart. Rochelle, are you using this as an excuse to get angry? Whatever is happening to you? And yeah. well, well, I'm doing it. Blessed are you when you're persecuted, when men um, revile you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. It says to rejoice mm. and be glad mm-hmm. in the book of Matthew. And I, <laughs> okay, that's what Jesus tells me to do. And then what else is his example? When he's confronted by people and he kind of gives them a little bit, I don't know if sarcasm is the right word. I don't think that's the right word at all, but he lets them know, I came to play. If you really want to go there with me, I'll give you answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you, you'll read some of those t- accounts in scripture when they're coming at him and he, they're like, well, whose money is this? And he goes, okay, give unto Caesar who's, what's Caesar's and give unto God what's God's. And this and, is more of the church crowd that's asking him this. Yes. These yeah. are people who even, whether they're being sarcastic or not, it's left up to opinion, but they call him teacher. So they're putting him amongst their own ranks. Mm. All right, I'm your peer now. I will give you a peer response. Mm -hmm. But outside of that circle, when Jesus talks with people um, and they're not going the right way, there's an invitation extended. That's what we see time after time. That's the pattern with him. Come, I want to eat with you. Go and sin no more. Come follow me. These are the things that Jesus would tell that that crowd. And then ultimately when he is taken to the cross, uh, it, professes, I mean, in um, in the Old Testament, we read he was as a, a lamb uh, silent in front of his shearers. He said nothing. 
So he, every once in a while, yeah, he would answer and say, yes, I, I am God. Yeah, I am the son of God. But he did not get defensive or offensive. Right. So yeah. we have to gauge that, I think, with the Holy Spirit. And I think, again, like you were saying, with the example, the physical altercation is like, okay, you know when you cross a line. Because if you are connected to the Lord, he's going to tug on your heartstring. Mm -hmm. uh, the further I push away that voice, the smaller it can become, but that's my own doing. I think where it really takes place a lot is, is when you're a little bit half joking with friends or acquaintances, uh -huh. and then they say something that really kind of frustrate you that got me and yeah. and then you've crossed a line and i know th this happened th you kind of discover this through middle school and high school <laughs> oh oh we don't say that at all mm -hmm. you know and just a, i don't have a specific example in my head but it'd be like um somebody's joking with you about something goofy that you did but then your pride starts to hurt yeah and then you make a joke about their weight or Ooh. their acne especially at that time or and then it's like, because you know that they, they got you and you're like, I'll put a little salt in there. I can do it. I can do it too. Huh? Here we go. You justified that because they did it to you. Yeah. And then you get yeah. into that whole thing that we were supposed to learn in preschool. Well, he took me first. He did it to me first right. or whatever. You yeah, know, that's oh true. And we sound like that on social media. Sometimes you read through the comments. You're like, oh my word. Yeah. Grace is what we do not deserve. And that is what Jesus extended. And I need to extend that to others. And, and I think a lot of us are like, but, but no, there, there was no exception. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, when it comes to certainly my, my ego, I never want to let my ego get in the way of the right. heart that I should have for people. And, and if you do feel compelled to say something, I'm not saying you to be silent is always the answer, but I think you will know the spirit in which you're saying it in, whether it's God honoring or self-honoring. And, and that's the thing. I, when I talk, people talk about anger and should we get angry or what's righteous anger? I, the example that comes to my head is if somebody, if I'm late for work and then somebody cuts me off or let's say it's a fender bender and is their fault mm -hmm. and it makes me spill my coffee and I get out and I berate them because <laughs> of an accident Yeah. compared to if I see human trafficking or uh, blatant racism or something going on in front of me, I should get openly angry for that injustice that's happening, especially because it's not for myself even. Mm -hmm. Now, if there, if, if I can certainly go to people if there's an injustice against me, but I, I just, I want to as much as I can take the selfishness out of my anger mm -hmm. and be angry for the right things, yeah. for the validity of scripture, for yeah. for Jesus and, and how we portray him and how we live like him or should live like him as Christians, uh, all the way to the social justice examples of, I want to be there for people and make sure that I am angry in the right way. Yeah, that a child is starving. Yeah, that should anger us. Yeah, yeah, uh, th that totally makes sense. So Elisa is going to get to um, a lot of you know the the issues and the knowledge and the intellectual, but I I love what she's going to state. It, it should be what my driving force should mm -hmm. be is a loving heart towards other people. Yes, yes. And I think a lot of what we project is how it really is reflective of what we're dealing with on the inside. And recently felt compelled, this lady at a drive-thru, she double-checked and made sure that the lid on the coffee that I had ordered was nice and tight. I mm -hmm. saw her check it before it came through the window. And I looked at her and I said, hey, thanks for double-checking that. 
because I'm sure I'd spill it. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And it just struck me in that moment. She kind of smiled at me and I thought this is the silliest thing I could compliment her. I'm just doing my job. That's Mm -hmm. probably what she's thinking. But I thought, you know what? It's the simple things. It's the little things. If I'm always on the lookout for those little things, I think I'll be less angry. Mm. Yeah. You know, and if I can find something that is worthy of affirmation in a social media post, even if I 99% of the way disagree with the post, Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to, I'm going to be touching on the heart of Jesus when I find that 1% to comment about as opposed to the 99% that I could be commenting about. And I, I, it doesn't mean you're agreeing with them. It just means, Hey, I'm trying to look a glass half full here. Well, you can at least always uh, comment on there. I, I like your hair and your new profile picture. <laughs> That's on <laughs> any post, go. right? Yeah. Unless it's terrible hair, then you just oh, don't like well, your profile. You just don't say anything, right? I don't know. Well, so excited for our guest this week from the uh, Elisa Childers podcast. It's Elisa Childers. It's Elisa Childers. <laughs> and uh, your experience about when you uh, really had that crisis of faith in this interesting church situation. Yeah, uh, well, and actually, like, this was something that didn't happen until I was an adult, I was married uh, with a new baby. And so it was so unexpected because I loved Jesus my whole life. I don't even remember a time really when I wasn't aware of the presence of God or, you know, convinced in my bones that the Bible was his word. I just loved Jesus my whole life. And so I would have thought that I would never doubt that. And so that like you mentioned, I had a church experience where my husband and I had started attending a church, uh, just evangelical, non-denominational church right in the heart of the Bible Belt here in Middle Tennessee. And after about eight months, the pastor invited me to be a part of a smaller uh, group that he said was kind of going to be like seminary. If you go through this four-year class, you'll come out on the other side like you've been through seminary. That sounded really exciting to me at that point in my life because I had just spent the better part of a decade touring um, in contemporary Christian music music. And so I, uh, I was really excited, but what I wasn't prepared for was that in this class, just virtually every, and I'm not talking about secondary and third tier issues, but your core beliefs that I had held so dear, uh, were just sort of picked apart. They were explained away. And it's like the, the gospel that I had believed my whole life was deconstructed right before my eyes. And so it threw me into a really dark time of doubt, a crisis of faith that brought me up to the edge of agnosticism, I would say. I didn't fully lose my faith, but I, I just was kind of intellectually convinced it wasn't true, which was a very confusing place to be. Mm. And so I called out to God and just asked him to to show me, you know, what the truth is. And I wanted to follow what was true. And so God in his faithfulness led me to the study of apologetics and church history and theology and all the things. And even a little bit of science, even though that's not really my wheelhouse, but I just really came out on the other side of that persuaded that the core claims, I changed my positions on a few other things, but the core claims of the gospel that I'd been given as a child were true and they stood the the test of scrutiny. Uh, I think what I have trouble with Um, I see so many claims of different faiths, but a lot of um, ex-evangelicals, people that are deconstructing their faith is the term, uh, claiming things about Christianity that I don't really know how to verify. And I can, Mm. I can tell you what's 
what they say is in scripture and it's actually not, you know, always a, a good uh, way of doing things is to, uh, let's read that whole passage, not just that verse that you just pulled out to argue with right. me. Um, but in terms of some of the claims of what the history was at the time, um, what they would have meant by this, uh, the Bible never actually covers that topic because that Greek word actually means this. Um, what, what is your suggestion just because you're, you know, what you just described that time frame in your life fascinated me. You came out stronger. Uh, what is what is your suggestion to some of us that uh, whether we're struggling or whether we just want to to know on how to talk to people? Uh, where did you right. where did you find this? What did you do? Well, I think you know the first piece of advice that I would give based on my own experience is. We live in a culture where we have basically recreated the Tower of Babel, right? The world speaks with one language again, and we have endless access to information. But obviously not all of that information is true. I think you articulated that really well because even right, right now I'm researching and writing a book on deconstruction. And that's the reality. If you go on TikTok or you go on Instagram or any of these places where these deconstruction platforms are, there are so many claims that are made. And especially on TikTok, um, some of them are, and I don't say this with a mocking heart, but just they're laughably false. They're, it, it'd be like somebody going on uh, TikTok and saying two plus two equals 17 and getting a hundred thousand likes because there's a hundred thousand people that want to believe that. Yeah. And yet it's just easy to refute. Now I'm not saying everything is easy to refute. There are some tough claims out there. Absolutely. But a lot of them are just just factually inaccurate. So how do we go about finding out what's actually true? Well, I think that the the first thing we have to start with is is realizing that whatever meme you just saw, whatever TikTok video, whatever 20-second soundbite you just heard, there's more than that out there. And that's, mm. it's not necessarily true. So question what you're seeing. Don't just take everything in and say, oh, well, this TikToker got 100,000 likes on that, so it must be true. And so I think that would be the first thing. And the second thing would be really think about what truth is, right? Our, see, our culture wants us to think that truth is something you create within yourself. It's something that you, um, you know, sort of, you go down inside of yourself, you identify your deepest desires and that's your truth, but that's not how truth works, right? Truth is something that's real. It's something that corresponds with reality. It's a statement or a belief that, um, is, is not based on you, the subject, it's based on something that's the object outside of you, right? So thinking about the nature of truth is important because if we think we can create our own truth, well, then, yeah, then the TikToker can go on there and claim that the Bible was originally written in King James English, which I saw something like that the other day. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it's, nobody can oppose anybody if we don't have a baseline understanding that truth is actually a statement that lines up with what's actually real in objective reality. So I'd say start there. Um, and then, you know, vet your sources. I think one thing I did when I was, God was rebuilding my faith was my temptation because I wanted Christianity to be, to be true. I had to acknowledge that bias. I think acknowledging biases is really important because I had to acknowledge the bias that I actually want this to be true. So my tendency then is to only look for sources that confirm my bias, right? Mm. So I went outside my comfort zone and read scholars that I knew I was not going to like. <laughs> I read Bart Ehrman and I, re I subscribed to his blog and just started reading his blog and, um, you know, read through his book and, uh, 
the one that, you know, that, that is misquoting Jesus. And so, uh, I, I tried to, to do that to say, look, I, I, I got to figure out what's out there that maybe I don't want to be true, but might be true. And then what was very interesting to me, interestingly about that is as I'm reading Bart Ehrman's blog, I'm reading like, actually a lot of what he's saying is a lot of what the people I agree with are saying, or that I want to be true are saying. And really the parts that I ended up disagreeing with Bart Ehrman was more his analysis of those facts, but not the facts themselves. Mm. And so that was kind of interesting. Um, but we, you know, these, these social media celebrities and pop level influencers, we have to be careful. I don't even want people to take what I say, uh, you know, as gospel. Like I, I, I give my opinion on social media, but I always tell my people, go check it out what I'm saying. And if I'm wrong, I want to be corrected. Mm. I want to, I want to follow what's true. I want to say something that's true. And I have corrected a couple of videos a couple of times when I'd gotten a little fact wrong or something, because I want to know what's true. And that's what I want to promote, whether I like it or not. So I think maybe acknowledging biases and realizing that there's other opinions out there on how to anal- you know, analyze facts that all scholars have access to. Yeah, and and that's what's what's hard. The just finding who is the scholar and what it is. But I, I Bart Ehrman is a perfect example. Is um, you know for for those that aren't familiar, he is a, a scholar that was a Christian. Uh, he is now an atheist. He knows maybe more about the New Testament than just just about anybody in the world. Uh, he just refuses to believe in the resurrection. And and so many people that you see out there are denying that Jesus ever even existed as a human. And and. Bart Ehrman sitting here going, that's insane. The the facts right. show there is a, the, specifically we know that Jesus lived and did die on a cross. And obviously at that point, uh, he starts to disagree on the, the facts of the resurrection. But um, it's, it's just insane that, like you said, you could put a video up about anything and you see this well, overwhelming you know, it's response. Interesting. Exactly. And what's interesting even about Bart Ehrman and the resurrection is he actually doesn't disagree with lots of facts around the resurrection. Like he's going to agree that uh, Paul, the persecutor, was radically changed after an encounter he believed was the risen Christ. He's going to agree that James, the brother of Jesus, was radically changed from skepticism to belief after an event that he described as the resurrection. But where Ehrman is going to part is he's going to, and he'll even say, you know, the closest followers of Jesus believed that Mm. they saw Jesus alive after he died and were willing to be tortured and go to their deaths, maintaining that belief to be true. He will agree with that fact, but just how he analyzes what actually happened is different. And, you know, he's changed his view on the tomb a couple of times, but you know, at one point he was saying the tomb was empty and he changed his mind and he might've changed his mind back or maybe it's the other way around. But you know, there's, there's a lot of agreement around the actual facts of the thing. It's just, when we get to the question, how do you explain those facts? That's where there's the difference. Well, what we see and what a lot of what we want to talk about today is something called progressive Christianity. That is something like a term that many might not be familiar with, but, um, but it is becoming more and more popular. And to be honest, I think it's, it's a lot of, um, trying to blend what, um, what, what these two viewpoints are trying to, uh, appease the nice things of, uh, or not necessarily appease, but trying to include the nice things, the easy things about Christianity, uh, while also claiming, um, well, Hey, I also want to be involved in this and this and this on, on whatever political or social justice campaign it might be. Uh, and that really starts to get misconstrued. So, um, in a, in a nutshell, how would you define what progressive Christianity is? 
Right. And that is hard to do because progressive Christianity is difficult to define. But I think the most succinct way I could put it, and then we can dig down into some of this if you'd like to, but I would say it's it's a movement that is coming up and out of the evangelical church. So it's a reaction against the evangelical church. And it's a group of people that are coming up and out of evangelicalism that are open, not just to rejecting the evangelicalism, but to rejecting core claims of Christianity. And the reason that it works that way is because it's really not creedal in the sense that there's like a progressive creed that you would have to affirm. Like if you look through Christian history, Christianity has always kind of worked that way. Um, of course, we know it's not our intellectual, you know, propositions that save us, but we've always had creeds to say, look, this is who, this is who we're believing in. This is what we believe about him. This is what we believe humans are and salvation and all these things. Progressive Christianity just doesn't work that way. It's not really about your theological beliefs. It's really more about what you're denying about the environment you grew up in. And and so in this way, we don't see a lot of progressive Christians being converted from other worldviews. They're deconverted evangelicals largely. So you have um, uh, a lot of people that um, are, are have left church. Maybe it's church wounds, uh, church hurt. Um, of course, you were you were someone in that place too. You were bam- bamboozled a little bit uh, with all the the teachings that were mm-hmm. thrown there. But often, what we see online are people that uh, they've been hurt, and and maybe they really have, or all the way to they just said something I didn't really like, or they talked yeah. about you know something that one of my friends is into, and I was offended. Um, but yeah, I think what's what's difficult on the the uh, even uh, the evangelical scale as a whole, you have some people that are just really annoyed with how the American church has gone about its business. That's the one thing they point to. It's, it's become a business in a lot of ways in their eyes, uh, and so they decide to do home church but keep all the beliefs all the way to I'm fully an atheist. But it, it's mm. it's kind of maybe right in the middle or, or maybe, you know, a little more towards the end of that scale. Often it's, I believe Jesus teaches kindness. And that means mm. I need to approve of everything that anybody ever wants to do because he teaches us to be kind. And mm-hmm. that's where I see the insidious. I mean, that's one of the, the main reasons we wanted to talk with you is because just on an everyday scale, where do you see it creeping in? Not even necessarily debates on TikTok, but just everyday life. Where are you seeing this at in society? Well, first of all, you've articulated that so well, because that's what our research is bearing out as we research deconstruction and are working on this book is that, you know, people mean so many different things when they use that word. And you're right. It could just mean somebody's fed up with the megachurch model that's not teaching the Bible and they want to get back to scripture. And, you know, and it could mean anything from that to somebody walking away completely and becoming a new ager or an atheist or something. Um, but I, th- I think where we're seeing it is it's everywhere. It's, it's like we're describing in the book, like a, an explosion. It's not really like this organized thing. It's just like this firework that's exploding out of the evangelical church. And so, um, I think we see it a lot. Uh, you know, I, I do think TikTok and the social media platforms are huge influencers in this because we have kids who spend more time on TikTok than they do even around real people. I mean, we have, it's an absolute uh, phenomenon, this, this whole social media thing and how influential I think it is. Because then, you know, somebody goes home, they're discipled by these online 
platforms, then they go to their small group and they bring that into their small group. And then that becomes something that starts to infect the church from the small group level up, but it can also happen from the top down. Perhaps a new pastor hire who has some progressive beliefs and they start subtly and slowly, maybe not even intentionally to deceive, but just because they truly believe that's the right way to think, they start introducing these ideas. And so it can it can literally happen sometimes, even like a sandwich where you have the from the bottom up in the small groups and then from the top down with a new pastor hire. I've watched that happen. And so it's, uh, it's absolutely everywhere. It's in the wild. It's literally an explosion. It's everywhere. It's in media. It's in sermons. It's in media published on Christian platforms marketed to Christians. It's everywhere. Um, you have um, uh, a lot of people that, uh, or I've, I've seen some people, you know, in life that um, they believe in Jesus and they believe Jesus is the way. And then all of a sudden when they're pressed for it, you know, might be a different religion or a different thought. And, and, and then all of a sudden the, the claim comes out, well, they, they were a good person. So I, I, I think there's, there's good, you know, and even if it's, if it's um, said, well, it's said in a biblical, uh, an unbiblical biblical way, if you will, you know, it's like, well, Jesus is, is grace. And I don't know, cause I'm not the judge. And you start these sayings that that start coming out where you're like, yeah, totally, totally. And then they go, so, you know, if they believe, you know, in Hinduism, who I don't know, who am I to judge? And then you go, wait a minute, right. we, <laughs> I, I, I know that you're not the judge. I know we don't know a lot about uh, judgment at the, you know, the be all end all and the end of time and the resurrection and all that. Uh, but there is a claim from Jesus that he is the way, the truth, the life, and that, that no man gets to the father except through him. So uh, I guess, I guess maybe the main point of it, a lot of people... I think do want to be in the world and of the world. But I, I think for many, there's this inability to find that line of being loving, but stating truth. And have you found anything yeah. in your life that's helped you been able to support your friends that live a different lifestyle or support your friends that are a different religion, but, but still stand on truth? Well, yeah, I, I think, you know, you make a good point there because we are so influenced by culture. So we want to pull the punch when somebody decides that something we believe is quote unquote toxic or harmful or ridiculous or mean or something like that. And so I think Christians, first of all, need to do maybe better at making the case for the beauty of the gospel. The reason, you know, we there are guardrails around things like um, gender and sex and all these other things, because those things are so incredibly valuable and powerful. Mm. You know, you're going to protect something that's valuable and powerful, right? So making the case for the beauty of the thing. But also there, I think we have to, I mean, one of the, the ways that I've gone about this even myself is I always want to have the softest heart possible when I'm talking to people. And if I don't feel genuine compassion for somebody, then I need to back up and go pray for them for a while before I talk to them about, you know, something that could be potentially tense or something, yeah. because we have to keep that soft heart. But here's what I think Christians need to grasp though. At the end of the day, there's nothing you can say if you hold to gospel truth that is going to make everybody happy. In fact, in many cases, people are going to hate you. Jesus promised that. And you know why he said they hated him is because he convicted them of their sin. And so, you know, one thing I'm seeing on social media a lot this week from progressive Christians is this, you know, cause Jeffrey Dahmer's in the news and there's this, uh, you know, of course the news story about his uh, conversion to Christianity and people are saying things like, well, so you're telling me that your religion says that 
Jeffrey Dahmer is in heaven, but my very sweet but unbelieving grandmother is in hell. You know, and that's a tough one for Christians, right? Because mm-hmm. we see that and we go, gosh, I can see why that would seem so. But that's because people don't understand grace. You know, of course, I'm not the grandma's judge and I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer's judge. They both stood before God and received their judgment, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, as, as far as where they are. And um, so what what we have to do is stand on knowing that God is just. That's what we have to do in that conversation. God is just. And if... Jeffrey Dahmer truly repented and came to saving faith in Jesus. I'm not talking about praying a magic prayer or writing his name on a card. Then yes, that salvation offer is offered to him as well as it was to the unbelieving grandma. And I think even finding creative ways to talk about things like this, because then you think, well, if the unbelieving grandma rejected God in this life, why would God force her to be in his presence forever? Mm. And where that's all even more magnified and more realized. I mean, if she didn't like that on earth, she's not going to like it in heaven either. I mean, we have to start there, right? So there's ways to there where we can engage better. And the only way we're going to engage better is if we're studying. We have to think of these things through because I have found in my own life, and I think you, you know, maybe people listening are like this too, but if you haven't really thought about something deeply or you haven't studied it or explored it, when somebody brings it up, the tendency to get the raised blood pressure and the veins popping out of your neck and react in fear or, you know, be reactionary can be a lot stronger than if you've already thought it through and you have a reasonable thing to say about it. So I think um, Christians need to engage their minds more. No, that's really good. And and any tips on that with um, a lot of people I know have trouble reading the Bible uh, in terms of like literally sitting down and reading and not understanding it. It, it Maybe it's not the reading. I know there's a lot of readers, but you get to you know, some of the names of the genealogy or you get to, you know, a thing. It's like, okay, that sounds um, great, but I don't quite understand. And then, and then as soon as a pastor or somebody like that brings it to life of the cultural context, you're like, you're actually interested and you're fascinated and you're amazed. Uh, But sitting there reading by itself when, when you're not, when you're, you're trying to become more of an expert, but you're, you're not currently, uh, do you have any tips or even places to go, whether that be a a source, um, you know, a website that might help or, or other podcasts that you've gained, uh, uh, knowledge from? Yeah. My number one resource on that is the Bible recap podcast. That's Tara Lee Cobble. And basically I think she's done it now for four years in a row where you read through the Bible in a year chronologically. So you have a little assignment every, every day. And you know, I, I just always want to give people the grace. I understand we're busy and sometimes it's hard to sit down and read, but you can listen. I mean, you can pull out your Bible app. You can listen to that day's reading. Um, I process really well, you know, th- that way. So I get that. And then you tune over to the Bible recap podcast, which is just five to eight minutes every day where she basically just tells you what on earth you just read. Mm, (laughs) And she doesn't do a lot of, you know, she doesn't, she's really good at avoiding those denominational distinctives that would get people kind of infighting over different verses. She's giving you just the big picture flyover of, okay, you know, we met this group of people. Here's what they, here's what they were doing. And this is why Israel was doing this. And, and then she always points you to God at the end. Like, what did you learn about God this week? Because that's really what the Bible is about is about God is so many times I think we've made it about ourselves. And so we're looking for the me in the scripture, but we're just supposed to be looking for God in the scripture. That's how we get to know him. So she just gives you really good training on how to do that. And as you read, just uh, understanding what, what you're reading in the context of the whole of scripture. It's a wonderful podcast, the Bible recap. Yeah, that's great. Um, I guess just to, to recap. So we have something called progressive Christianity. 
that is um, an array of beliefs, but but ones that uh, are creeping into a church and and deny even that Jesus is God in in a lot of a lot of different ways. Um, getting on the bandwagon more of culture than uh, than of scripture. Uh, understanding that one way that we can help with that is show off the the amazingness of the gospel. Uh, along with knowing scripture, and you just gave some some great sources to to understand that. Is there anything in this conversation, more of a kind of an elevator pitch conversation, that you would want people to know on how to go about our faith in this in this changing society? Because I, I think that's a big part of it. You have a lot of people that uh, twenty years ago weren't afraid to say more profound truth of scripture because it was culturally uh, acceptable. Uh, but we've really seen a shift over these past few years. So I think that's where we see a lot of uh, people that claim to be Christians um, kind of changing a lot of important, not just secondary, but important viewpoints. So is there anything else that you'd want to say to somebody that's kind of maybe hearing this for the first time or starting to explore that in culture and wondering what to do? Mm, that's a great question because it can really feel overwhelming when you you start to realize, you know, maybe some of the things I'm buying into are not biblical, or maybe you do have a really strong biblical worldview and you just feel crushed by the chaotic culture around you. And so I think that the first thing I would say is that for all of us, and I try to do this myself, even after all this years of study I've done, there's always things that I'm going to be corrected on. I don't have perfect interpretations of every single Bible verse, right? So I think we all need to kind of hold our positions humbly. Now, when it comes to those core issues, that's different. And and maybe that's a good place to start. I think a lot of Christians are very confused about core issues of the gospel. Like, is, the, is believing in the resurrection of Jesus as important as what you might believe about how old the earth is? Or is believing that Jesus is God any more important than believing, you know, whether or not the gifts of the spirit have continued. So I think maybe getting a really good grasp on what those core essentials are, that the the essential definition of Christianity, I go into this in my book, Another Gospel, um, that can help people walk through that, but there's some good resources on that as well. But just to kind of understand, like, here are the things that if you deny these things, you're kind of outside of Christianity, right? You're not really meaningfully Christian if you deny these things. But then there's these other things that, Christians have, faithful Christians have disagreed about because maybe the Bible's a little less clear. The Bible's crystal clear on the gospel. It's crystal clear on morality. Um, but there are some, I mean, honestly, if anybody figures out the whole predestination free will thing, let me know because, you know, I, it's, that, it, things are tough. It's tough on those secondary issues. But I think maybe just getting a good grasp on those primary issues is important, but also just filling yourself with the word of God. Because if you're filled with the word of God, then when the counterfeit messages come across your social media newsfeed, you're going to spot them instantly. And um, so you don't have to be overwhelmed trying to study all the counterfeits. If you just know the real thing, really know what the Bible says and know why you believe it's God's word, um, you'll be off to a great start. Well, again, that is Elisa Childers from the Elisa Childers podcast. And uh, so incredible to get to know yeah. more about her heart and, and where, where, where she's at. You had a really good conversation with her. I appreciate that. Um, so I also want to share something that's been on my heart lately. Next week, if you wouldn't mind, actually, I say next week, you could probably just binge this. If you've been binging these, just keep on listening. There you go. But the next episode, like to share a little bit about depression mm. and something that will be the reverse of that. Encouragement, hopefully, in the midst of dark times. That's next week on the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. 